Can you help me give a warm Westover welcome to Pastor Choco? Thank you. Love you. Well, good morning. Good morning. I noticed that uh, it's a universal thing when pastors call on the men how reserved we are. Where are the men in the house? When it comes to the women, that's a whole different. I just want to put it to test. Where are the women in the house? I knew it. I knew it. Let me give you guys another opportunity. Come on, guys. Come on. Where are all the men in the house? I'm telling you, we need you. We need you guys. We need you to stand for your families, stand for your communities, stand for your church. And I've always been said, I've always said that when a man stands up, the boy sits down. We need men to stand up. Amen? Amen. Hey, what a joy to be here uh, with you all at Westover Hills with your pastors. Uh, Elizabeth and I, we love your pastor Jonathan and his wife. And, and we honor uh, Pastor Jim and his lovely wife and for the legacy and what they've done in this ministry here. And what you guys have done. You guys have done and continue to grow. And so we... We celebrate you all. We celebrate at the national office. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you here, you've never heard of me? Raise your hand. You've never heard of me. Wow, 98%. Father, I pray. Wow. So here, let me just give you a quick synopsis of who I am. Born and raised in the hood of Chicago. Was not, was not born into the church. My father abandoned me at the age of eight years old. He's an alcoholic. He abandoned my mother with six children. I am the youngest of six, and I'm here today to encourage somebody that God is in the business of using unusual people. Well, that's a good place to say amen. amen. The Bible is filled with unusual people, and God uses them. According to sociologists, I am a status inconsistency. I should not be here at Westover Hills preaching to you at this service. I should be dead in Chicago. I should be in prison in Chicago. But God. But God. I want to show you a picture of my wife, Elizabeth. This is my wife for 34 years. We've been married to the glory of God. We've been together 39 years. And uh, amen. She's not with us here today. She's in Colorado. So she had an option. Grandchildren. Or Choco. You do the math. I lost. Elizabeth was a worship leader in our church for many years, over 30 years, loves the word of God, is a prayer. She just texted me a few minutes ago. She says, I'm praying for you. So she's praying for this service. Uh, Elizabeth loves the presence of God. Elizabeth and I have three children. Let me show you my tribe. Uh, These are my kids. And so these are my two girls and their spouses and my son and his wife. And I said it to the service last night. All my three kids are married And they're out of the house. Glory to God. They're like arrows in my quiver. Shoot them out. They got to go. Come on. Any empty nesters here? Anybody that's an empty nester? Yes. Beautiful thing. I love my children. I love them. Pero que se larguen. They got to go. You got to go. I want my girlfriend back. Amen. Elizabeth and I, we're grandparents. Let me show you a picture of my grandchildren. Uh, This is Charlie Grace. Charlie Grace, this is Reagan, and this is uh, James Anthony, this is Donnie, and this is Alea Skye, and uh, let me show you 
the latest, my latest grandson. And this is our sixth one. And so what, I tell you what, we Hispanics, we come deep. We're deep. I don't know about other cultures, but we Hispanics, we just continue to grow. I mean, my mother, my mother had 19 brothers and sisters. I have over 125 first cousins. And so I'm just saying, if you ever invite me over to your house, I'm coming in a Greyhound bus. With the thruya. I'm coming with a whole thruya with me. Amen. But what a joy. I'm so glad you're in church. Seriously. I'm glad you left your bed. You left your blanket and you said, I'm going to church. I need to get in the presence of God. And I'm so glad someone forced you to come to church. And if you were forced to come here, you should turn to that person and say, thank you for bringing me to church. We need God in America. America, listen to me. America has drifted. And I said it last night that there's a tsunami of immorality hitting the shores of America. And the answer to that tsunami is the church. Is the church. I don't care what Washington, D.C. says. The church is the greatest asset in our communities. And we need to love our community. We need to speak love, but in truth. And we need to be able to engage culture. We need to stand in the gap. Today I want to talk to you about standing in the gap, praying in the gap. It's out of my new book, or one of my books rather, In the Gap. This book talks about nine individuals that in history stood in the gap. And they give their lives. They gave their lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 1945, April 9th, was killed. He was a German pastor who was helping Jews, and the Nazis killed him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Every time there was a problem on planet Earth, God will raise up a man or a woman. And I pray that this morning, I pray that he will stir your hearts. And I've come to your church, not for everybody, I come for some of you all, to provoke your spirit and to disturb you, to take a stand. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word if you're physically able to stand? And for those that are watching online, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. I won't preach long because there's another service. But oh, the second service. Pray for them. When I pastored the church in Chicago, we used to run five services, four on Sundays. And one on uh, Saturday, like you guys are doing. And uh, I always love the last service. Because I can preach as long as I want. Say as many jokes as I want. But Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, if you have it, say amen. amen. Share your bread with somebody. I'm excited. The Assemblies of God, you're part of this great family that's called the Assemblies of God. Did you know that every 62 seconds, someone's getting saved in an AG church on planet Earth? Every 62 seconds. Let's time this because we're going to, when we get to 62, we're going to celebrate. We're going to scream. I don't know where that person's getting saved. Where right now, whether it be, it could be Australia, China. But every 62 seconds to the glory of God, come on, 52 seconds left. We're going to be like New Year's Eve. It's going to be like New Year's Eve. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. 42 seconds left. Come on, man. You just don't know. We're on planet Earth. 
this person's accepting Jesus Christ. Maybe they're attempting suicide, and the Lord send them an angel, and we celebrate that 32 seconds left. Hallelujah to the glory. Glory, glory. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, glory to God. 22 seconds left. 22 seconds left. Oh, come on, church. Rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 10 seconds left. Hallelujah. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you know that every 80 minutes... We're not going to time that, but just trust me that every 80 minutes a new church is open on planet earth of the assemblies of God. There are 10 times, 10 times more AG churches on planet earth than there is McDonald's. It is the vision of the general council, is the vision of the assemblies of God by the year 2033, which will be a two year, 2000 year anniversary of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the vision to have one million churches on planet earth of the assemblies of God, to the glory of God, amen. <clears throat> Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. I look for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the what? Gap. The word gap here in Hebrew is Ibanayim. Ibanayim means between two places. So there's a gap. Nehemiah would be a gap person. There was a problem in Jerusalem. And for over 100 years, the walls were destroyed. And nobody did anything. Women were being raped. Food were being robbed. And nobody did anything until Nehemiah came. The Bible says... I look for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And here's what the Lord says. But I found none. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to church. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We want to leave out of here different. We do not want to leave the same way we came in. So do something. Mess him up. Mess her up, Lord. And we promise to give you the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. You, may be, you may be seated this morning. So at the age of 14 years old, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior through a summer program in Chicago. This is my story. Every single one of you have a story. But I was at the age of 14 years old where I gave my life to Jesus. Was raised in Catholicism. As a matter of fact, when I became a Christian, my godmother who dedicated me at the Catholic Church heard that I was going to a Christian church. And she confronted me and said, you either stop going to that church or I will disown you as your godmother. I said, give me a minute. I said, you never gave me anything for Christmas. 
Jesus gives me eternal life. I'm sticking with Jesus. At the age of 14 years old where God called me, I was at a hotel at a youth convention from the local church. We went to Lansing, Michigan. From Chicago to Lansing, Michigan, the youth pastor said, Choco, we're going to have a convention. Would you like to come? I got on the church van, left Chicago to Lansing. I get to the hotel, and there was a preacher preaching, and he makes an altar call, and I got saved again. I've gotten saved many times in my life. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Amen. I got saved again. I came to the altar, 14 years old, and I knelt down at the altar. That's why I've always believed in altar calls. And an old lady comes, and she puts her hands on my shoulder and begins to speak in tongues. It's not Spanish because I'm Puerto Rican. I know Spanish. I've never heard these tongues before. Then she prophesied, and she said these words, I've called you to be a great leader. Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now, I know today at the age of 58 that that's the covenant that God made with Abraham, but at 14, I'm thinking, this is pretty cool. I don't know who this lady is. I got up from the altar 10 minutes later, walked into the elevator of the hotel, thinking about what the lady said at the altar. When the doors were about to close, y'all, a man in a suit walked in. When the doors closed, he turns towards me and said these words. Have you not heard? I've called you to be a great leader. Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now I'm thinking it's the husband of the lady that was at the altar. I'm not sure, but this is freaking me out. I didn't leave Chicago to come to Lansing, Michigan, but little did I know. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm talking to somebody here today. Little did I know that God was marking me, that God was putting his hand upon my life. And he was essentially saying, hey, Choco, I know your father abandoned you. I know your mother doesn't have a plan for you, but I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your life. And I'm talking to somebody here today. Perhaps you were abandoned by your father, but God has a plan for you. He declares over your life. And when God, look at me, when God puts his hands on your life, there's no demon in hell that can remove the hand of God from your life. And he calls you. He calls you out. You can run, but you can't hide. I'm talking to somebody. My word. America is in trouble. America needs a few good men and women who would stand up for what they believe and say something, even if the cost of your life. In the 1950s, America, in the 1950s, Eisenhower before he went to the Geneva Peace Conference with the Soviets, went on national TV in the 1950s to ask all Americans to go to church and pray. That was in the 1950s. Today, 2023, that type of gesture is unimaginable today. But where did we go? How is it that in a short time, in a short time, We have gone from defining culture, Christianity, and being the culture, and and now being out of step, uncool. When people look at you and I, and they say, Choco, you are uncool, and you're out of step. And they mock us because of our faith and our belief system. 
How did this happen in a short time? How do we adjust from being the culture to being a culture, a counterculture minority group? When people look at Christianity today in 2023, we are in the minorities. Don't listen to what people say that there's over 170 million Christians in the United States. That's not true. Because if there was 170 million Christians in the United States, we would not have the problem that we're in. We need to stop. We need to stop caring what people think about us. And we need to start caring about what God thinks of us. We cannot allow Hollywood, listen to me church, we cannot allow Hollywood to tell us who we are. We know who we are. We're people of God. We're children of the most high. We're citizens of heaven. You do realize, I know you live in Texas, but you are citizens of heaven. And we represent him here in San Antonio or Chicago or wherever you're looking from. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we represent a king. And his name is Jesus. We need to stop caring what Hollywood thinks and start caring what God thinks of us. We are people. We are a church of forgiveness. We're people who offer love and transformation. The church is a hospital full of broken people, not perfect people. Heaven is not filled with perfect people. Heaven is filled with forgiven people. And there is gaps everywhere in our culture today. You didn't create them. I didn't create them. But they encompass upon us to pray in the gap, to stand in the gap. And in our time, to say things, to say, not on my watch. You cannot do this. You will be confronted. And God says, I'm looking for a man I'm looking for a man, I'm looking for a woman, somebody who would stand up. Did you know that the average homeless person in America, he's not 40 years old, he's not 35, he's nine years old. That is the average homeless person in the United States. That's a gap. Did you know that the girl who's being trafficked, she's not 25, she's five years old. Our education system is in the decline. You get it. America is drifted. But God raises up men and women to do something. Watch this. When God saw that he needed a man or a woman, he raised up Dr. King. Dr. King, he stood up against the giant of Jim Crow. Every time there was trouble, every time there was trouble on planet Earth, a man or a woman will stand up in the gap against systems and structures and say, you can't do this. Corey Tim Boom stood in the gap against fascism in Nazi Germany. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, John the Baptist, these are all gap people. Jesus Christ, the ultimate gap person who stood in the gap for you and I so that we don't have to go to hell. 
He was between two thieves. One chose to go with him. The other one was mocking him. He stood in the gap. I'm just saying that the days of playing it safe is over. You will have to say something for what you believe. There's a story in the Bible. Now, I didn't do this yesterday, but the people from Saturday, you guys forgive me. There's a story in the Bible, and I asked the team to get me some bread and cheese, and not because I'm hungry, but I want to illustrate something. In 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, we see a story of the Philistines. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel, give me a man. That's what the Bible says. Give me a man and let us fight together. Let us fight each other. 1 Samuel 17.10, if you're taking notes. The devil's champion was looking for God's man. He says, this day I defy, this is Goliath, I defy the armies of Israel. And he says this, give me a what? Give me a what? God in Ezekiel chapter 22 is looking for a man and here we find that the devil's champion is also looking for God's man. Where are the men? Send me a guy. Anybody, pick him. And we'll fight. And if he beats me, we'll serve you. If I beat him, you guys will serve us. So let me tell you how this all started. You see, one day, Samuel the prophet, and I'm paraphrasing, one day, the Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house and the Lord told him to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Samuel the prophet goes to Jesse's house and he's looking at the sons. And the Lord said, no, that's not him. Is that him? No, that's not him. Is that him? That's not, no, that's not him. And Samuel's like, Jesse, you got any other boys? He said, I got a guy. He's my son, the young, he's over here taking care of the sheep. You want me to get him? Yeah, go get him. He opens the back door. David, man, come over here. What's up, puppy? Yeah, yeah, the prophet is here. And he said, what's going on? And he comes in. And the Lord said, that's the guy. Anoint him king. And David gets anointed king of Israel. Notice this. That David gets anointed. And after he got anointed, he went back to the sheep. And we find the story that in that journey, in that journey, he's fighting against the bear and the lion. Private. There's only the audience of one, which is God. It's now in private. And any time that David felt or discerned that there was a problem, the Bible said that he would take out his slingshot, y'all, his slingshot, and he's like, well, I'm coming after this bear. Because you will not kill my sheep. These sheep belong to my daddy. And he's willing to give up his life. So all this is happening. And David is growing in his devotional life. Are you with me so far? Sometimes God takes you out of the private and sets you in public. Because what you did in private so many times in our lives, we want to go public right away. And God's saying, you're not ready for this, mama. You're not ready for this. I need you to still fight the bear and the lions in your life before you face the giant. Jesse 
calls David. David, Menaka, come over here. I want you to go see your brothers at Saul's army. They're over there fighting against the Philistines. And uh, go ahead and take them, um, take them some bread. And take them some cheese. We Americans know that as cheese sandwich. <laughs> I don't know why the Bible didn't put cheese sandwich. They didn't ask me. I would have told them. It's cheese sandwich. I want you to take them some bread and cheese and go take it to your brothers. Okay, puppy. And he takes a slingshot. He takes a slingshot and he goes to where his brothers are at. Now, mind you, stop here for a moment. For 40 days, y'all, 40 days, Saul's army has been lining up, ready for battle. And if there was no fighting, because Goliath came out and they were afraid, they went back into their tent. The next morning, put on the armor. Act like we're going to fight. Just look it. Goliath would come out. They run. I don't know about you. I told, the, I told the church last night, I said, after like seven days of this, if I was in the army and I was part of the troops, I'd be raising my hand. I'd be commander. Are we going to fight or we're not going to fight? Because <laughs> if we're not going to fight, I'm not going to put the armor. I'll leave it in my tent and I'll come out here in my shorts. Because <laughs> if this is just a show, that armor's weighs 75 pounds. Just tell me, for 40 years in America, church people have gone to church with their Bibles and have allowed giants, hear me out, giants are not born giants. We've allowed them to grow. I'm talking to somebody. Whatever you don't kill today in your life, whatever you don't kill, your great-grandchildren would have to face it because you didn't have the courage to kill it. Giants are everywhere in this nation. I remember in Chicago, I remember in Chicago when they wanted to build the first gay high school. 600 students, $42 million. We were a first gay high school in Chicago. It was, it was called Pride Campus. I was in New Mexico preaching when I saw it on, on the news, and I remember calling Ernie Duncan. Ernie Duncan, he was a former secretary of education under Barack Obama, and he was a good friend of mine. But before he was the secretary of education for the U.S., he was the CEO for the Chicago Public Schools, and he was a good friend of mine. So I called him from New Mexico. I said, Ernie, this is Choco, and I'm coming down. I'm coming down. I want to talk to you about this school. So the next day, I get to Chicago, and I go to the, his office with seven pastors, and we go to his office, and it's a long conference room, and I'm sitting over here with the seven pastors, and he's over there with his whole team staff. And I said, Arnie, I heard through the media that you're planning to build a gay high school. He says, Reverend DeJesus, you have no idea what people have gone through. And he begins to give me a laundry list. They've been abused. They've been harassed. They've been laughed at. And he goes down this. And I remember, y'all, I remember, I slide my chair from the conference room. I stood up. I said, Arnie, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I said, for thousands of years, my people, they've been killed for just loving Jesus. Today, I said, Arnie, today our Christian kids cannot even wear a shirt that says, I love Jesus. Without being offensive. So don't tell me. Don't tell me about being harassed. 
And he's like, Reverend, Reverend, come down, come down. I said, Arnie, I'm not calming down. I'm prepared to go to prison. What are you prepared to do? He said, why don't we just think about it? Just cool off for two weeks. Yeah, let's do that. Let's cool off. So I leave him. I come back. Boom. Two weeks later, I come into the conference room. He's there with his staff. And I come into the conference room in Chicago. And I said, Arnie, thus saith the Lord. I know we don't talk like that, but we should more often. (laughs) I mean, we should hold God to his word. He said it. Thus saith the Lord. Arnie. Build your gay high school. Build it. And when you're done with that building, I need five schools for my Christian kids. And when you're done with those five schools, I need another school for kids who suffer from obesity. And when you're done with that, I need another school for kids who are Muslims. And when you're done with that, I need another school. Finally, he said, forget about it. We're not building no schools. And they never built the gay high school. But boy, did the gay community come after Pastor Choker. Look it up on Google when you get home. They hated me. Homophobic. No, no, no. I just felt this wasn't right. And sometimes, sometimes as men and women, we take a stand because it's not right. And God looks for a man or a woman in San Antonio who would say something. Even if it's not politically correct. Does that make sense? So David comes. David comes. And he finds his brother lined up. Remember the 40 days? And there it comes, hey, que pasó ese? What's going on? Yeah, papi sent you some cheese sandwich. You're like, boom, boom, boom. Here, this for you, this for you. And you know how older brother's like, bro, get out of here. This fight is for men. <laughs> bro, you haven't done nothing in 40 days. <laughs> but you know how older brothers are. Hey, hey, listen, what are you going off on me? Papi just told me to bring you cheese sandwich. Here. And all of a sudden, Goliath breaks rank. And he comes out of the line and he says, send me your man and I will fight him. Woo, child. Goliath did not know that on this day, God was sending his champion. And David's like this, giving the sandwiches to his brother. And he says, send me your man. Today I defy the Israel, the army of Israel. And David's like, hold this, bro, hold this. Who the dude? Who does he think he is? Who do you think you are? How dare you talk to the armies of God? I love it. This day, David, talking to God, this day you will die. For the first time in 40 days, Goliath's like, whoa, 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 Papa, where you come out of? This day you will die. And David goes after his slingshot, one of the stones, and then he's like that. And probably God's in heaven like, Papa, just throw the rock. Just throw the rock. Just throw it. I'm going to grab it in the air and I'll throw it. But I do need you to pick it up and throw it. Just throw it, David. Boom. Every time there is a problem In America, God raises up voices to say, this day you will die. But I'm not going to go silent into the dark. I cannot allow you to do this. It is wrong. 
Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of the city of Chicago, said that Chick-fil-A was not welcome to our city. Look it up on the news. A few years ago, he said that Chick-fil-A was not welcome because Chick-fil-A did not have Chicago, Chicagoans value system. I was in Washington, D.C. with Rick Warren, his wife, and my wife, and I picked up the phone, and I called the mayor's office. I said to his admin, tell the mayor that I said that Chick-fil-A is welcome in our city and that he does not represent all Chicagoans' value system. Hang up with him, call Dan Cathy, the chairman of Chick-fil-A in Atlanta. Hey, Dan, this is Choco. Hey, Choco, I want you to know that you're welcome in our city. We're going to fight, bro. This is wrong. Came back to the city of Chicago, called the alderman or city councilman who presented the ordinance to not accept Chick-fil-A. Well, he has been my friend for seven years, eight years. So I called his office. I said, Alderman, this is Pastor Choco. Hey, Reverend, how you doing? I said, not good. I said, meet me in the park. That's how we deal with things in Chicago. <laughs> so I drove to the park with my wife, Elizabeth. I parked the car. I looked at my wife. I said, babe, stay in the car. This is going to get ugly. I get out of the car. I see the alderman. I said, alderman, how you doing? Hey, Reverend, good, good. What's going on? I said, alderman, you and the mayor are wrong. You don't represent all of us. We've been friends, but I'm prepared to fight. It's your call, but I will create a war because you do not represent all Chicagoans. Today, uh, Chicago has three Chick-fil-A's to the glory of God. Look at me. God did not save you. He did not call you to carry cheese sandwiches. He called you and I to kill giants. And giants are growing in your families. Whether it be liquor, drugs, laziness, kill it. Because if you don't, your grandchildren's children would have to. Let me finish here this morning. Would you stay with me for a moment? David, David killed Goliath. He cut off the neck of the giant. The Bible says that David took the sword of Goliath and cut his neck. Killed it. You can't play with it. Some of you are playing with giants in your life. You're playing with it. You got to kill it. Because if you don't, it will be killed. In my family, it was a giant of alcoholism. You know the stats, one alcoholic in your family will impact five people. But when it came to my lineage, my lineage, I killed it. This will not happen in my family. My children will never see alcohol in the refrigerator. My children will never know anything about alcoholism. Because if you don't kill it, you don't have the courage to do it. 
But yet God sent me to you today to tell you, you've got some giants in your life. Kill it before it's too late. Pornography, kill it before it's too late. I like what Dr. Keene said. Dr. Keene said a quote. He said, courage, courage is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. Cowardness is submissive surrender to circumstances. Courage breeds creativity. Cowardness represses fear and is mastered by it. Cowardness asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it political? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience, look at me church, but conscience asks the question, is it right? Hear me out, Westover Hills. There comes a time in our lives when we must take a position that's neither safe nor popular, but one must take it because it's right. America has drifted and God is looking for a few good men and women in San Antonio, in their families, to say, not on my watch. This will die on my watch because my great-great-grandchildren will know. So I've come to encourage you, to tell you, stand in the gap for your family. Pray in the gap for your children. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over the sanctuary? I don't know how many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pastor Choco, boy, I, this sermon was for me. I needed to hear that this morning. There's so many things going on in my family. There's many things going on in my community. And I've just been playing it safe because I don't want to I don't want to ruffle feathers, so I don't say anything. And yet I allow giants to grow in my family. But this day, that giant will die. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, this sermon was for me. Would you pray for me that God would give me the courage to speak up in my job, in my calling? If that's you, would you lift your hands quickly? I want to pray for you all over this place. Hands are going up. Not asking you to join our church. But God sent you here this morning. And he's looking for a man or a woman to stand in the gap. If you raise your hand, would you do me a favor? I want you to get out of your seat. If you're in the balcony, I'll wait for you. Would you make your way to this altar? You already know I believe in altars. So get out of your seat. I'll give you 30 seconds as we begin to sing softly. Come.